minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! We're back. Like that dog shit on your shoe, you can't quite get rid of the smell. The anarchist world this week is back. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. What anarchy is all about? Anarchist society is a society without rulers. How do you have a functioning society without rulers? And why do we need rulers? Are we all tainted with original sin if we don't have the Trumps and the Putins of the world to tell us what to do, would we all start raping and pillaging? Well, I think not. Historically, there's all, and in the current situation, there's always been a strong movement of people who believe they can govern themselves without the need of external authorities telling them what to do. So what's the best way to create a society without rulers? You devolve power. The greater the hierarchical relationships in a society, the more concentration of power in fewer and fewer hands and the more atrocities you see and uh, the greater the inequalities of wealth, the more social dislocation and pain and suffering you see in the community, which manifests itself in many ways. So the anarchist struggle is a struggle to devolve power and hold wealth in common and use that common wealth for the common good because that is the best way the best way that I know of, and I'm quite happy to be re-educated in a camp somewhere, uh, to, devo- to uh, create a society without rulers. Now, are we going to crap on about this whole program? No. What we tend to do on the Anarchist World this week is try to look at current events, both locally and overseas, mainly locally, but overseas, because they do have an impact on what happens here, and actually analyse them from a non-authoritarian perspective and just try to give our listeners a mechanisms via which to understand the world we live in. Because there are many, many ways that you can actually attempt to understand the world we live in. Religious fundamentalists of all hues, all different you know, interpretations, believe that what's in the good books is what dictates and rules their lives because this is the world of this is the word of God. Obviously we don't follow that line of thinking. Now people who think that, you know, you need a strong centralized authority to maintain order, well we don't follow that line of thinking also. So when we analyze something, we look at it from a non authoritarian perspective. Now before we look at the the ascendancy of Trump and what it means for the US of A and the rest of the world. 
A few thank yous. First of all, I'd like to thank all those people who came to the Francesco Fantine Memorial, which we hold up at Murchison in regional Victoria every year. I was very pleased to see people there this year. It was wet and raining, but we were able to uh, hold our ceremony as part of a greater ceremony. And we don't just go there to pay our respects to Francesco Fantine, who was murdered by fascists at Camp Loveday in South Australia during the Second World War, an internment camp. We go there to highlight to people how easy it is to change from a, say, a social democracy or a liberal democracy or a parliamentary democracy into a highly rigid, highly centralised fascist society. Because Francesco Fantine paid the ultimate price here in Australia for his resistance to fascism. And you can have a very sophisticated society, as we are seen around the world, a so-called sophisticated society, degenerate into fascism over a period of a less than a decade. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. As long as you know the, the right dog whistles, it doesn't take much. And what was seen around the world is the rise and rise of political movements which deny they're fascist, but ultimately they are fascist. They are authoritarian. They believe they have the answers. They believe everybody else has no rights. They are born to rule. And we are seeing it across the globe, whether it's the United States of America, whether it's the uh, Le Pen movement in uh, France, what we saw in Austria uh, six months ago when uh, uh, almost a neo-Nazi was elected as president, uh, just uh, failed by a few thousand votes. And the list goes on and on across Western Europe, Russia, United States of America. We've seen the same trends develop here. So next year marks the 75th anniversary of Francesco Fantine's murder, which is on the 16th of uh, November 1942. And not only will we be holding the ceremony in Murchison on, on Sunday the 12th of November, we'll also be holding a very a special dinner lecture type of uh, arrangement, not just to talk about Francesca, but to talk about this rising wave of fascism in our society and the best way to actually uh, deal with it. So, and again, everything we organise, we don't organise, you know, just to recreate things. We organise it to highlight to people how important it is to remember our past so we can understand the present and change the future. I'd also like to pay uh, thank all those people who came to the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally on the steps of Parliament House in Victoria in Melbourne in Spring Street last week on the 10th of November. It's good to see that the numbers are growing. This is an ongoing struggle. Ongoing struggle, which I'll speak about at greater length during the program. It is a struggle which we are seeing occurring in New South Wales, and it's something that we need, that we need to pursue, not just in terms of public housing, but in terms of housing affordability, because housing affordability is now becoming the dividing line by those who have uh, benefited from the globalisation, deregulation, corporatisation. Uh, privatisation revolution and those that have left been, been, been left behind. So this is an issue that's fundamental, not only to in terms of shelter, but fundamental to our, our existence 
as a civilised society. So I'd like to thank all those people. I'd just like to remind you that the next rally on the steps of Parliament House will be on Thursday the 8th of December, which I understand is the last sitting day for the Victorian State Parliament. And we will be uh, uh, actively uh, campaigning to uh, ensure that that rally continues. Now, those of you who are interested in Defend and Extend Public Housing, go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. All the stuff that's happening is there. I understand there is a uh, gathering outside the Minister for Housing, Mr Martin Foley's office in Albert Park on uh, Monday the 24th of November from uh, 9am to 3pm. But if you go to the Facebook page, you'll get more information about that. So obviously you're welcome to come to that. So let's move on to the main topic now, when I spoke to you last week, we didn't know. We believed Trump was going to win the election, but we didn't know. And those of you who listen to the program regularly have said, heard me say that I'd like to see Mr Trump win the United States presidency. So why would I like to see Mr Trump win the United States presidency? I'll tell you why. Now, I'm quite happy to forgive Mr Trump. And I'm not going to call him Mr. Trump from now on. I'm going to call him the Groper, okay? President Groper. President Groper of the United States of America. The Groper, okay? Look, I'm quite happy to, you know, forgive the Groper for his utterly reprehensible misogynist comments, okay? And I'll forgive him. And I'm going to forgive him for his racist comments, you know, pigeonholing certain groups, and uh, you know, saying they're all, you know, they're all right. Mexicans are rapists, and the list goes on and on. Quite happy, quite happy to forgive him for that. Now I know you won't, but I'm happy to forgive him for that, and I'll tell you why in a minute. And I'm happy to, to forgive President Groper. I'm happy f- to forgive him. For the comments he made about people, comments he makes about people with disabilities. Very happy for to forgive him for that. No problems at all. And I'm quite happy to forgive him for the comments he made about the son of a Muslim couple who died in America, the United States of America, you know, in the armed forces. Quite happy to forgive him for that. Okay. I mean, these aren't peripheral issues. These are. Issues which actually give you some insight into the character of the man. And when you're all as powerful as President Groper will be on the 20th of January, it's important that you have some type of insight into the character of the man. But unfortunately, for Mr Groper, alias Mr Trump, unfortunately for him, Those people in the United States of America who voted for him, the Rust Belt, Middle America, the Democratic heartland that voted for Mr Trump because of his exciting new vision, are beginning to feel buyer's remorse. Do you know what buyer's remorse is? Buyer's remorse is when you go in and you see this beautiful car, this wonderful ring, this beautifully packaged book, this wonderfully looking meal, 
and you save and save and save and, and go in and you savour your purchase and it just doesn't turn out to be what you were promised. And that's what's going to happen. Buyer's remorse. Because what indicated to me that these people who put their faith in the groper, Mr Trump, has their ticket to economic bliss, that who are quite willing to forgive him, like I have, for the massive character flaws he has demonstrated over the last, for his lifetime. Happy to forgive him, happy to forgive him, put our blind trust in him, and now beginning to feel buyer's remorse. Because not only is the groper, the presidency, but the groper's mates have a majority in Congress and have a majority in the, in the United States Senate, which will give them the ability to stack the courts, you know, for the next decade or two. So what is the groper promising to middle America? And why is middle America starting to feel nervous? And if I was a groper voter who believed the rhetoric and that was willing to forgive him for all his failings, I would start having some few concerns regarding the groper's plans for the United States of America. Some very, very, very reservations. I have a lot of reservations. And I would start to thinking about whether I was starting to experience buyer's remorse, even although the groper hasn't his hands on the lever of power. And I'll tell you why. As I said, I've forgiven him. I'm not going to attack the groper because he's a groper, although I'm very sad that I can't you know, stand for the next United States presidency because I don't have two of the major you know, qualifications. And the first one is you need to be born in the United States of America, and I wasn't. You don't need a birthing movement to be told that I was born in Australia, not the United States of America. And two, you need to be a groper. It seems to be a prerequisite. You know, if you can, you know, grope women, it seems to be that's 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 the re- prerequisite you need to be United States, you know, president. I don't have any qualifications in both, unfortunately. So, you know, I, I did cry myself to sleep a few nights ago when I realised that I just didn't have the qualifications to be the President of the United States of America. One, I don't have a history of groping women. And two, I don't have a history of being born in the United States of America. I mean, my whole life is, is seems to be pointless. I might as well turn to religion. But getting back to buyer's remorse, why would middle America be starting to feel buyer's remorse? Let's forget about all the other issues regarding the man and the party and his personal flaws and the flaws of his party and the fact that he came to power on a racist, misogynist agenda. Don't worry about that. Put that all aside. Because people said, oh, we don't give a shit how this bloke acts, how he thinks, the people behind this. We believe... He has the ability 
and the power to deliver. What we've seen during the globalisation, privatisation, deregulation, corporatised revolution is the fact that many, many, many people, both in Australia, United States of America and the rest of the world, have been left behind. Now, what I look at, what I looked at and what I look at when a new government is elected, I look at how the capitalist stock market reacts. And although everybody seemed to have been concerned about the Groper winning the United States presidency, and the stock market kind of fell for a few days, once the Groper was elected, the stock market soared. And I knew then, and middle America is beginning to realise, is beginning to feel buyer's remorse, they began to see they had been sold a very sick little pup. Because their blind trust in a billionaire making the legislative changes to ensure that America is great again, in inverted commas, whatever that means, may not be able to live, but more importantly, has no intention whatsoever of delivering on those promises. Because they know the Groper is one of them. Mr Trump, President Groper, didn't come to his fortune in the most pleasant of ways. His fortune was built on the bodies and the blood and the soul and the sweat and tears of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Americans who were exploited by him and his companies. People being forced into bankruptcy, people not being paid, people being underpaid. The list goes on and on. Why would the Groper want to deport 11 million illegal Mexicans in the United States of America when his business empire makes a fortune from employing and underpaying these people. But more important, let's get back to the the policy. The policy, the big picture. He's a big picture man. I'm a big picture man. You're big picture listeners. So let's look at the policy. Let's look at the policies. So how is he going to do it? How is he going to make middle America great again? How is he going to ensure that middle America doesn't suffer buyer's remorse and ask for a refund? And if they don't get a refund, they may get angry and join the people on the east and west coast who have begun to demonstrate in the larger cities, mainly on the fact that on the Groper's misogynist racist agenda. That You know, let's look at the economic agenda. What does he want to do? What will Congress and the Senate allow him to pass? What legislation? One, you'll like this, you'll love this, because the Groper is always about himself first and foremost. He has no idea regarding, President Groper, no ideas regarding 
community responsibility, social responsibility. Point number one, he wants to abolish inheritance tax. Very few people pay inheritance tax in the United States of America. Only the very rich pay inheritance tax. So one of the first legislative agendas which will go through the Congress and the Senate, which have been raised by the President, is the removal of inheritance tax for the rich, the super rich, the billionaires and the multi-billionaires. You love it? He wants to decrease corporate taxation. So those corporations he railed against... He wants to decrease their tax revenue. Not that, like in Australia, not that many of them actually pay tax, but that little tax they pay, he wants to greatly reduce that tax and obviously he wants to reduce tax on the population as a whole, which I'm sure will be uh, a great relief to all those people paid 7 or $8 an hour illegally under the counter. I'm sure it'll be a great relief. So this is the great economic driver The Republicans and the Groper believe that if you abolish inheritance tax, you decrease corporate tax, you decrease personal taxation, you free up money, you allow, if you give business free reign, it will stimulate the economy and create jobs for middle America and their kiddies. You like it? It gets better. Now, Mr. The Groper, Mr. President Groper, is going to set up a blind trust to regulate his business affairs or manage his business affairs while he is El Presidente. Right? I think what's actually happened is the... I won't go. I won't do that joke. Even I won't do that joke. Well, El Presidente Groper, okay? El Presidente Groper. Now, his kiddies, three of his kiddies, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, are actually going to manage that trust. And you think, Hallelujah, brothers and sisters, he's done something right. El Presidente is not looking after his own affairs, he's thinking of the country as a whole. Unfortunately, the kiddies have senior positions. That's right. They have senior positions in the transitional authority that has been set up to fill the 4,000 vacancies which need to be filled with Trumpy appointees, Groper appointees, over the next six to eight weeks before the 20th of January. So the very people that are managing his blind trust have leading positions on Pence's team. And when you look at the way that this little exercise is going to unfold, you can see that the main beneficiaries of our president, the Groper, the President Groper, the main beneficiaries at the end of the day are going to be his family and his companies. Now, don't despair. 
because as we speak, President Groper is facing 75 civil lawsuits. But I think there is a mechanism in the United States Constitution which will allow him to not deal with those lawsuits until he finishes being President of the United States of America. So what are we seeing? Are we seeing something new? Are we seeing something new? Or are we seeing the continuation of the globalisation, privatisation, corporatisation, deregulation, revolution, the tsunami that swept over the globe over the last 40 years? Well, middle America, who put their blind trust, their faith in President Groper, you know, dismissing his personal failings as neither here or there, are still going to be the main victims. And their situation is going to get worse. Because the reforms, especially healthcare reforms, which have been introduced over the last eight years, will now be swept away, thrown out. Universal health care will be something of the past. And when you look at the social reforms, you realise that the change in the composition of the uh, Supreme Court of the US States, the United States of America, will ensure that all those victories that have occurred over the last three to four decades will soon come to naught. And the beauty about President Groper is he has a large military industrial complex that he wants to feed to make America great again. And when he's talking about making America great again, he's on the same page as Mr Vladimir Putin, who wants to make Russia great again at the expense of the rest of the universe. So, buyer's remorse. Now, let's not forget that irrespective of uh, the Clinton's personal failings, and they're almost as good as the the Groper's personal failings, you will find that to a significant degree the Groper's elevations to the presidency was a direct result of the intervention of the FBI. It's a little bit like the federal police intervening in the Australian election. Think about it. Intervention. And obviously, for whatever reason, the FBI is very keen, the leadership of the FBI, very keen to have the Groper as president. And you can actually, I can actually see legislation being passed through the United States Congress and the Senate, which will ensure that these agencies of control will have more and more and more power, despite the protections United States citizens think they have under the United States Constitution. So here we are. Here we are. Middle of November, two months to go before the Groper becomes president, four years of President Groper and his policies, corporate-friendly, business-friendly policies, which are based on the concept of trickle-down economics, Reaganomics Mark II, right? trickle-down, 
same policies, same outcomes, greater inequalities between the haves and the have-nots, greater exploitation, and the list goes on and on. So don't tell me that the Groper, President Groper, is some type of radical or revolutionary. These people aren't radicals. They're not revolutionaries. They're basically, they're nothing more than apologists for the corporate sector. They are the corporate sector. And for middle America to put its faith, its belief in these type of economic, this economic lunacy that somehow it's going to help them and their kids to a better world, a better future, a more stable future, think again. These are the very people that have flooded the United States with cheap labour. These are the very people that exploit labour for their own ends. These are the very people that are reducing the amount of income that comes into the United States government to provide basic services to the people you know, of the states, the United States of America. These are the same people. They now have the levers of power. One, the President, the Congress, the Senate. Watch for it. And if I'm wrong... I'm happy to admit I'm wrong, but I know I'm not wrong because I see nothing in this. This is smokes and mirrors. This is your classical con, total con. And the stock markets know it's a con because within 12 hours of President-elect Groper being elected to office, they were singing, Hallelujah, brothers and sisters, we are going to make Billions, if not hundreds of billions, if not trillions, from having our man, our man, in the presidency. Poor fellow, the USA. Poor fellow. The only one bright light is not the old apologist bitching about how, why they lost the election. The only bright light on the horizon, the shining star, is that small group of America which is saying, unlike me, it's unacceptable that we have a president who made all these outrageous statements to be elected. It is unacceptable, totally unacceptable. He is not my president, who have gone out on the streets, who will continue to go out on the streets for the next 1,200 days. Well, actually, next 1,400 days until President Groper and his mealy-mouthed mob are part of the historical record. Because within 12 months, you will see middle America rise up against this con man, this person who promised them the world, but is basically a fifth columnist who will only deliver to his corporate mates and use the presidency to shore up his shaky financial empire. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia and the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. I understand we've had some problems putting up podcasts, but that's all been overcome. So 
there are at least four or five or six programs up there, all podcast, all ready to be uh, listened to. Listen to you at your leisure. Send it to your friends. Uh, the podcasts are there for all those people who can't actually listen in. When the Anarchist World this week is um, being broadcast. Now, the Anarchist World this week is also, also streams live on 3cr.org.au. If you're interested, I've got a number of websites I'd be interested in you looking at. One is the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website, PIPSI, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website, PIPSI, P-I-B-C-I. Uh, you can go to the uh, Facebook page for Defend and Extend Public Housing, Defend and Extend Public Housing, the Facebook page, a lot of interesting things. And if you want to get everything together in one little piece, you can go to my personal Facebook page, oh, become a friend, like the page. That's what they tell me to tell people. All right, but personal pa- Facebook page, very simple, Toscano, the number four, the public. Toscano for the public. T-O-S-C-A-N-A, the number four, the public. Simple. Go on the Facebook page. It'll give you an idea of all the activities that we, we are organising. I said before, we organise activities in order st- to stimulate people to become involved in various issues, to become involved because, as you see, the United States of America... It doesn't matter whether Middle America votes for the groper. It doesn't really matter what the media says or think. All that matters at the end of the day is those people who are willing to go on the streets to ensure the legislative agenda which is planned for them for the next four to five years is resisted every inch of the way. And whether it's the United States of America or Spain or Portugal or Kenya, or Australia, it's the same concept. Let's move on to defend and extend public housing here in Victoria. Now, we are going to update our leaflets. We're going to have a second leaflet called Questions to Ask Your Local Politician, or Questions to Ask the Government, Questions to Ask the Opposition, because there is a move afoot to privatise almost everything, almost everything that is still held in public hands, even debt, even moves afoot to privatise the hex debt. There was moves afoot to privatise aspects of Medicare, which were resisted at the last federal election. So there's moves afoot. Because there's questions you've got to ask about public housing. As I said before, the next rally in Victoria will be at the Steps of Parliament House on Thursday the 8th of December, 11.30 to 1.30. Questions you ask. You ask simple questions like, will you be selling titles to public housing? And they'll say, oh, no, we're going to do that. We're not going to do that. Oh, that's terrible. Then you say... Will you be transferring titles to privately run organisations? Whether they're not for profit or for profit doesn't really matter, but will you be transferring titles? That means you give away public property to private organisations and use that property, that public housing, to act as a uh, collateral 
you know, to go to the banks, these private organisations, borrow money to extend their empires. Hmm? And you'll hear, oh, well, maybe, maybe. Well, they may not answer it. They'll say, oh, yeah, but we believe in public housing. And then you say, well, you know those new public housing initiatives you've been talking about? Why is it that on public land we are seeing three times as much private housing being built as opposed to public housing on what is public land? What's all that about? Hey? What's all that about? Oh, we haven't got the money. Then you say, well, you've got the money to spend $600 million on one bloody railway station in Mernda, right? $600 million. You could build 2,500 2, public housing, new public houses, or spot purchase 2,000 public houses around the state for that amount of money, eh? So you ask, how much money goes into public housing? They'll say, oh, it's increased this year. And you think, all right, all right. How much money goes into public housing? And then you say, how much more is going into public housing? They'll say, well, we're going to use so much and we'll give this money to private organisations to manage. And you say, uh-uh, excuse me, excuse me. Why can't the state governments manage their own public housing stocks? Why do they have to give management rights to privately owned organisations? And that's what you're seeing. You see not only the transfer of ownership, but you're seeing the transfer of management rights. And when you transfer the right to manage public housing, and they trumpet in Victoria these new public housing which they're building, you know, little add-ons to these huge private estates that have been built on public housing, right? These new units will not be managed by the state government. They will be managed by private organisations. And these private organisations will be exactly the same as a privately owned landlord or landwoman. That's what it'll be. Same problems, insecurity, increasing rents, short-term contracts, and the list goes on and on. So there's all these wonderful questions you can ask about public housing because if there's one thing you learn about postmodern politics, it's all about weasel words. It's all about trying not to answer the question by giving you another answer that you didn't ask for in the first place. So what we need to do over the next few months is to create the climate, especially in Victoria and in New South Wales, where it would be nice to see a Defend and Extend public housing group being established, create the climate which tells the government they will be committing political suicide if they embark on this initiative. And we are the ones that will tell them that. Not anybody else, but we, you and me, are the ones that will be able to tell them that. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can write to me. Yes, I do answer letters. I enjoy letters. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. 
you can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Let's move to Eureka. Now, this year, on the 3rd of December, we will be celebrating the 162nd anniversary of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations. Now, those of you who've been following our little attempts to make to resurrect Eureka will know that in 2001, we went down there to take part in the celebrations. No celebrations anywhere in Ballarat. We were told they occur on the first Sunday after the 3rd of December. We thought, this is crap. This is total crap. And since 2002, we've been holding a yearly commemoration at the Stockade site at the corner of Stool and Eureka Street in Ballarat, starting at 4am. And why? Because we don't see Eureka. And this is the beauty about historical precedents. You know, you've got everybody, you know, giving their opinion. Some people say, you know, in the conservative reactionary elements say, it was a small business revolt against taxation. And the Liberal Democrats say it was, you know, a revolt, um, you know, uh, for parliamentary democracy. Well, crap. The ideas of the Eureka Rebellion, which occurred 162 years ago, are encapsulated in the Eureka Oath, which was sworn at Bakery Hill on the 29th of November, 1854. We. That's right, we. We're not talking about, you know, everybody in the universe. We. We. We swear by the Southern Cross. That's right. We swear by the Southern Cross. Why the Southern Cross? Ballarat in 1854 was a tent city. When people looked up at their tent for out of their tent for entertainment, went to have a piss. What did they see? The Southern Cross. They didn't see the Southern Cross in the Northern Hemisphere. The Southern Cross in the West Papua Morning Star up there in the Southern Hemisphere. This was an indication of they had come to a new continent, a new continent where they didn't want the actual divisions of the old to be replicated on this new continent. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other. Truly by each other. Solidarity. They understood that the essence of resistance was based on the idea of solidarity, of working together. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight. That's right. You're not giving anything by those who hold power, who exercise power, who concentrate wealth in their hands. They're not going to give it to you unless you're willing to resist their attempts to deny you your inalienable rights and liberties. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. So they believed in 1854 they were born with inalienable rights and liberties that no government could take away. 
that no privately run organisation could take away, that no corporation could take away. So what are the essential elements of Eureka? The essential elements of Eureka are very simple. Direct democracy. Democracy without intermediaries. All decisions were made at mass meetings. Delegates, recallable delegates, were appointed at mass meetings or elected at mass meetings to carry out the wishes of that mass meeting until the next mass meeting when they reported back. So the Eureka Rebellion was not about parliamentary democracy, representative democracy, although that was one of the calls. It was about direct democracy in action. It was about direct action. What is more direct than taking up arms to defend your inalienable rights and liberties? Let's not forget this was an armed insurrection which was drowned in a sea of blood by those who exercised power. It's about solidarity. It's about working together. And it's about internationalism. Now, there are elements in Australian society who like to, you know, who like to run on the coattails of uh, the Groper, President Groper, who seem to have forgotten this motley crew, these anarchists as they were described in the press in the next day on the 4th of December in the Melbourne press and the Ballarat press. This motley crew was made up of people from every corner of the earth, of every colour, of every creed, of every religion. And I'll list them in another program. List the people. Mr. Sorison, a Jew. John Joseph, an Afro-American from New York. Kingston, a British subject, African subject from the Caribbean, and the list goes on and on. Of the 12, 13 people who were tried for high treason, only one was born in Australia. So how, how do we celebrate the day? We commemorate the day to highlight those essential elements of the Eureka Rebellion. Direct democracy, direct action, solidarity and internationalism. It doesn't matter if other people, you know, want to change the historical record and use the Eureka flag to promote their myopic, racist agenda. The flag is the flag and what it denotes is what it denotes. And no rewriting of history, no rewriting of the what happened on the 3rd of December here in Ballarat in Australia, a pivotal moment in the movement to create a more egalitarian community in this country, no rewriting will change what are the facts. So at 4am we begin. That's on Saturday. It's Saturday this year. 4am, Saturday the 3rd of December. We'll have a dawn ceremony at Eureka Park next to the old Eureka Memorial. If you haven't been to Eureka Park, it's the corner of Stool and Eureka Street. Down in the gully is the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka. And up on the hill, down the other side, are these old cannons which were put there in 1884 to mark the 30th anniversary of the Eureka Rebellion. This is where the battle took place. Why would you have a stockade in a gully? You'd be on top of the hill waiting for the troops coming across, the reinforcements coming across from Melbourne. So dawn ceremony. Eureka Park, corner of Stool and Eureka Street in Bella. Can't make it? Don't despair. The, uh, the dawn ceremony will be broadcast through Community Radio 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. 
If you can't get Community Radio 3CR, which a lot of people won't be able to get, it is the program is uh, streams live on 3cr.org.au. So you can actually, you know, listen to the dawn ceremony. And it's not your normal dawn ceremony with guest speakers. Everybody who turns up on the day at 4am will be invited to speak to tell us who they are, why they're there, and what Eureka means to them. At 6am, there's a breakfast at Eureka Hall. Bring your own food and drinks. We're not there to cater for people, all right? Bring your own food and drinks. There'll be cooking facilities at Eureka Hall. There's a barbecue outside. You can catch a nap in a corner if you want. I mean, it is, it's going to be a long day. At 9am, we march from Eureka Park to Bakery Hill to reaffirm the Eureka Roof. We'll get there about 9.30am. Down the main street, you know, flags. You got a Eureka flag? Bring it. Banners, you name it, will be there. 9.30am to 10.30am, there will be the presentation of the Eureka Australia Day medals at Bakery Hill. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. There are two days on which Australians are honoured. Two days. Think about it. There's the Australia Day, which is Invasion Day, and there's the Queen's Birthday. So we thought to ourselves, what's the? how could anybody accept an honour on Australia Day, Invasion Day, or the Queen's Birthday? What a load of crap. So the Eureka Australia Day medal and the finalists have now been, um, will have been contacted within the next uh, few days, is a medal which is given to a, people who are born in Australia or living this, or living this country who have made a contribution to the radical tradition which is encapsulated in the Eureka Oath. And we will announce the winners on the day at Bakery Hill and we'll invite them or their representatives or their families, because some have already died, to tell us about those people. At 10.30am we walk from the uh, Eureka, uh, from Bakery Hill, to the Ballarat Town Hall, where we'll have the Eureka Stump Orations. Now, this has been an ongoing sore point. Even the election of a new Ballarat City Council, which again is relatively conservative. Never, 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 never in the 162 years of the Eureka Rebellion has the Eureka flag been flown on the main flagpole. Never. How do you expect the rest of Australia to take you know, Ballarat seriously as the home of the Eureka Rebellion if you can't even honour the dead by flying the flag one bloody day a year. So Eureka Stump stump orations outside the Ballarat Town Hall. At 11.30am we walk to the old Ballarat Cemetery to pay our respects to all those who died in the Eureka battle and we would like you to bring flowers. Around 12.30 we walk back to Ballarat's Trade Hall at 24 Camp Street in uh, Ballarat for a light lunch again we ask you to bring your own foods but the bar will be opened the bar will be open so it'll be there from 1 to 2pm so if you can't make the rest of it you want to come for a light lunch bring, bring the food and the bar will be open at 2pm we walk to the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka in Eureka Park to view the Eureka flag which usually occurs around 2.30pm 
afternoon tea at Eureka Park at 3.30pm, then people have a snooze. And the highlight of the evening, the annual Eureka Dinner, 7pm to 10pm. It'll be this year, it'll be at the Ballarat Indian Restaurant, 7 Wainwright Street in Golden Point in Ballarat. Indian smorgasbord, $20 adults, children under $12, $5, drinks extras. And the guest speaker will be well-known Ballarat historian Dr. Anbeg Sunter, lecturer in history at Federation University, and the topic will be Evelyn Healy, unheralded Eureka champion. And the Black Orchid String Bands, or segments of the Black Orchid String Band, providing some entertainment. So you want a book for the annual dinner? You don't have to pay now. You pay on the night. Bookings, 0439 395 489. Or you can do bookings through the anarchist age at yahoo.com. Great day. It's a Saturday this year. Allows people from all over Australia to come and celebrate that day, but more importantly, to keep the radical tradition alive. Because for far too long, the essence of the Eureka Rebellion, direct action, direct democracy, internationalism and solidarity have been written outside of the history, been written out of the history books. We are there to ensure that not only we pay our respects to those who pay the ultimate price fighting that struggle. But we are there to use those lessons to understand the present and change the future. So, great day. Please book for the dinner. You don't have to book for anything else, but if you want to come to the dinner, it does help to book. We've already uh, tied up 60 seats. We can get up to about 90. So give us a ring, 0439 395 489. We'll go to the anarchist age at yahoo.com. Pay on the night. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast, and I can assure you it's up there. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can ring me on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. Websites to look at, anarchistmedia.org. Public interest before corporate interest. Join public interest before corporate interest today. Change the course of history. Download the application form. Facebook pages to go to. Um, Toscana for the public. That's my personal Facebook page. Go there, see what's going on. Toscana for the public. You can also go to the other Facebook page, uh, Public Housing. Extend and defend public housing. Extend and defend public housing. There's many other... Facebook pages and things you can contact. There'll be there'll be a connection. So thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week via community radio network on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.